this uh, cryptocurrency in North Korea conference is the most obvious trap since like free candy on a like a worn down van in a parking lot. <laughs> like this, is, this is, I can't. I can't. I I hope somebody goes. I hope they do. Please, please. M- more. I hope there's a whole movement of people that go and want to be like Virgil. The opinions shared by Brent are not those of the Crypto Basic Podcast. His <laughs> opinions are his and his alone. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Crypto News Flagship Friday, Crypto Basic Podcast, throwing all the words out there that I can. It's Brent Philbin. We're here with Kareem Baruke. Hello, everybody. And Adam Ruthless Levy. What's up? What's up? And it is going to be Friday, January 17th, 2020. If we get it edited in time, if not, it'll probably be Saturday. I don't know. Depends these days. So... We just released the Crypties last week, so we skipped the flagship last week, so there's a lot of news to cover. Uh, Crypties were super fun. I don't know if anybody actually likes them, but I like doing them, so <laughs> yeah, that's fun all that do. really matters. And that's what this is really about, people, all right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Uh, Kareem, yes. I got a question for you. What is the price of Bitcoin today? Uh, it is somewhere below 9000 but above like eighty. Closer to 9,000 than any other round number. <laughs> okay. So, unfortunately, I thought you were going to have a much funnier answer because you didn't see what was happening this week, but you did. And I think you even covered the Craig Wright situation. So, we're going to tease that. That's going to be happening later. That is correct. Yeah, that that's how... Yeah, correct. <laughs> have a little bit to say about Craig Wright. <laughs> yeah. Good. So... Uh, I'll what's coming up? So what's... for the first time ever, he has the potential to change my mind. Oh yay! Oh man! It's <laughs> gonna be Whoa. good. Okay. Yes, Kareem will become a Craig Wright believer. He'll go there right next to Adam on the Tron Wall of Fame, and we are gonna have a great podcast that you guys are gonna love going forward. A lot of announcements of a lot of, of announcements and a lot of saying things that we're not. So uh, coming up. We were going to talk about the cost.io thing that's going on, but we decided we're going to push that off to a different kind of episode. So we're going to call Red Flag. <laughs> yeah. So we were going to put this in the flagship or not. It's going to be its own separate episode that we're going to release a couple days after the flagship. So stay tuned for that on the cost.io situation. And it's going to be a new format that you haven't heard before. So we're going to want some feedback on that. So all that being said, that was the longest introduction of all time. So I think it's time for the longest rapid fire stories of all time where we have stories that we don't really want to get deep into but we want to mention them adam let's not go deep let's not go deep but we will go fast so (laughs) welcome to the rapid fire the first one is blockchain is the most in-demand skill in a linkedin report for you know um yeah for all what businesses want every year so makes sense Nobody, there, nobody has it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, and and they separated into. So to clarify, because you know, obviously, there are intangible skills. You know, not learn. You know, skills you can learn necessarily. So yeah. being a cryptocurrency evangelist, which is a great job title, 
Yes. We have. We all have that. We're all that. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, so there are soft skills. The top five soft skills are like creativity, persuasion, collaboration, adaptability, and emotional intelligence. And then there's hard skills and there's like the top 10. It is the number one skill edging out cloud computing, analytical reasoning, artificial intelligence, and so on. And Boom. Apparent, Suck it, AI. Yeah. So what's, what's actually pretty crazy about this is it wasn't on the list at the beginning of uh, 2019. That's a pretty big jump. I wonder if yeah. it was there during the ICO craze uh, or not. That's an interesting thought because things kind of died down a little bit. They started to pick up a little bit again. You know, we mentioned that Bitcoin was up nearly 100% for the year. So the but interest I, in the space is rising, I think. I would be willing to bet that it was not because simply because of infrastructure. You know, like it takes time in and where the, where the, industry was during the ICO craze. It was like, yeah, we need this, but also it needs to trickle to the top. And it takes a while for businesses to just real, like like for the, the people at the top to kind of realize, oh, this is something that we need to pivot and change our business. Like businesses move slowly. Governments move even slower. Yeah. So, you know, we might be like, you know, if we had a startup and we're just like, hey, let's, we need to have blockchain people ASAP, you know, but it's easier when you're five people versus 500. That's why startups are so agile and they move so fast and things change. You know, I, I've, I've seen some of that firsthand. So it's really interesting. All right. Tomorrow, with the Crypto Basic podcast, we're just going to sell books. We're just pivoting. Let's just go back. Into I've been trying old. to pivot the fucking blockchain coffee for months now. And nobody can show me how to buy a blockchain coffee. I'm on like, board. I'm on board. None of, the, none of the suppliers have it. I just want a coffee bag that's got a QR code on it where you can scan it, look on the blockchain, and see like a selfie of the farmer that picked your beans you know, or you know, the roaster. Actually, that's a perfect segue to the next little article. I never know what to call these rapid fires because there's it's not – you know, I don't want to call it an article. Yeah. Headline. Like, headline. You know, a headline. Uh, so the luxury giant Caring – I don't know. I've never heard of them. It certifies its watches with Bitcoin. So kind of like you were saying with you know coffee on the blockchain – so the Swiss watchmaker Ulysses Nardine, he's the guy behind Caring, is using blockchain to certify the authenticity of its watch, or sorry, Bitcoin. And the idea is that the watchman will log each watch on the blockchain, meaning owners can rest in the knowledge that they have a one-of-a-kind timepiece. It also, they know that it can't be swindled or sold as a fake. And in the past, they used to use a PDF that contains all the information, like such as a serial number model, whatever, et cetera. And now you can just. So for me, I have a little trouble, like like in my head, understanding what put it on the blockchain means. I don't know. You know it must have some sort of. I guess is that what they're saying is that when they release a watch. They have some kind of serial number, let's say, that's associated with a particular block of the Bitcoin blockchain. So that if you wanted to, you could go with some kind of code or thing that is in your watch, you could go verify like, ah, yes, this is the watch that was made with this block and it's only one of a kind or whatever, something along those lines. So they could just use the fact that the Bitcoin blockchain is infallible to just use it as a reference point of when and where with that watch. It's like a serial code, basically. That's what I think is. What Thank you, our Lord and Savior, Kareem. Yeah. And I also, think I used to right. be really into high end watches. I've never heard of this. So I don't know if I like wasn't as into them as I thought or if this is just like some random company. And look, as a quick, side, 
This is one of the things that we talk about that is hard to conceptualize when we're talking about what is the value of Bitcoin and its blockchain. And it's just, it is hard. It is a new thing. It's a network, right? But this is relevant in the sense that we've already heard of cryptocurrency projects. And now this is just a business which is using the infallibility of the Bitcoin blockchain, let's call it that, or the immutability for business models. So now it's like if the if the blockchain is a trunk, you know, there's like all these vines growing around it, if that makes sense. All these little businesses, all these little projects that are using the Bitcoin blockchain as an anchor. And it's hard to conceptualize what that value or what that stability looks like. But there's a reason why this is the project that's consuming more computing power than anything else in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, what's even crazier is that, it, so, I mean, yeah, obviously we're doing the rapid fire and it's not getting rapid. We're going on tangents. <laughs> I get that. But Continue. I, did, I, re- I I listened to a book on an audio book called the art of learning by Josh Waitzkin. Oh, he was so like, good. that book is so fantastic. Good. Yeah. And I, but yeah, if you haven't, uh, read it or you know you can listen to it or read it you should get it it's the guy who was in he was the kid that searching for bobby fisher was originally written about his dad wrote the book and then they made it into a movie and then he became like a, a chess more- grandmaster and tai chi push hands tai chi, uh, master tai chi. Later in life. so yeah. he's mastered so, with two disciplines and he explains his process for learning. yeah so the whole reason why i brought that book up is because there's like this layer of kind of like you learn stuff and then it becomes such an intangible that like you don't even think about you don't even realize that you learned that stuff and it just kind of stacks and i feel that way with how it used to be with cryptocurrency wallets and how counterintuitive a lot of that stuff is and then like now it's like you know we're greatly beyond that but now you know you eventually Thinking of how, what we're talking about right now on this very about uh, you know how blockchain has all these different little um, would you would you say the trees or yeah I mean, the, a um, trunk and vines like I don't vines. know yeah but <laughs> yeah, but, those... but like there's all these different little like, things that it can do like and we're we're not and we're trying to conceptualize what they mean by putting it on the blockchain for stuff like this for authenticity that may be second hand second nature you know yeah in the next few years and and the fact that it's not centralized is so strong because instead of like one big Bitcoin development team trying to figure out what they're going to do next with the Bitcoin blockchain, what you have is just this like public resource with literally anybody being able to attach itself to it in different ways or use it in different ways for whatever the hell they want. And it doesn't matter how many of them fail, but like the sheer number of things that can emerge from that is just exponentially more than what a single team could do if they were just running that blockchain. Yes. That's why the App Store is what it is. Even though Apple kind of can limit what people do, but you know what I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, only in China, Kareem. Yeah. They, they only care in China. Right, no, in China. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Geez, can we go back to the All to right. the veins and shaft? Uh, geez. All right. Well, no, we'll go back to the the next. I want to stop you real quick. Uh, if you haven't used it, there's a service called Scribed, S C R I B D, that is like Netflix for audiobooks. It's eight dollars a month, and you get unlimited audiobooks. Oh wow! I need awesome. unlimited audiobooks. Yeah, they don't have everything, but they have. Tons of stuff. Like huh, I, interesting. I have almost every well-known book that you cert that I try to look up on there is on there. So Sick. it's uh, yeah. I don't. I, I, I Tim Ferriss was pushing it at one point, and I was like, I don't even know how I ended up stumbling on it. But now I would never go on Audible and like buy twelve dollar books at a time because well, Audible is like, basically the same thing from the context of 
Well, I guess I'm paying more. It's like $10 a month, but you uh, get like the amount of credits that you get is essentially like more than you normally can consume. Oh, so, I so was I under like the I impression you had credit. to pay per book. No, okay, it's like so. it's like your membership comes with like two credits a month or something or three. So you're just like picking books, but they have literally everything. You just it's not unlimited, but I don't go through it all. See, but, we did book. We did pivot. We're a, a audiobook podcast now. <laughs> now we're <laughs> all right, let's pivot back podcast. to let's pivot back to cryptocurrency. And all finance. right. So the next article: Warren Buffett clocks worst year in a decade. But you should have taken that meeting with Justin's son. Mm-hmm. So Justin could have helped him solve this problem. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, still, it wasn't necessarily a he didn't lose money on the year, but uh he did trail behind the S P five hundred. They I feel like he's always gonna trail behind a massive bull market. I don't know for sure, but a hundred percent I was gonna say the same thing, Brent. I agree with you. That's the way he does things. Like he buys stuff that's undervalued, so when stuff is mooning, he's not gonna be buying it. Right. On the other hand, oh, that's true. I think I think we could expect like let's say that there was a massive negative downturn because all of the people that most benefited from twenty nineteen is whoever had the most money in growth stocks. But like if his game is getting undervalued newspapers and banks and stuff like that, then when the market flips, his portfolio might go down less than other people's market uh, portfolio because they're closer to real value. So it kind of offsets a bit. Yeah. Um, Well, it sounds like you guys just uh, made this article seem like completely irrelevant then. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny to poke fun at an old dude for being like, I lost this year, but He's not making a lot of these decisions anymore. It's the people that run his company that have been taught by him what to look for over the years. So I would expect that while he may not have come up as much here in any bull market, he's going to look like crap compared to the rest of the market. And one last thing I want to say, I remember when this was pointed out to me, I was like, oh, snap, like epiphany and made perfect sense. But we actually have a really bad tendency to go look at high returning funds right? Like which fund returned the best last year? And then people want to invest in that fund. But if you really think about it, whichever fund returned the best, the highest returns, that means that they were really high up in their standard deviation. Like they Mm -hmm. basically ran as good as they could have ran that year. So if you invest with them, you're almost guaranteed to do worse by the pure definition that their performance was a statistical anomaly. And then people never want to invest with firms that might have underperformed but there's a good chance that those firms might overperform because their values, their you know, portfolios kind of ran bad. So, you know, you got to be on top of our own psychology too. It doesn't always make sense. So what you're saying, Kareem, is I need to start buying twenty. How much are Berkshire Hathaway shares now? Two hundred thousand, uh, yeah. hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever I played the stock market game growing up, you know, I was always like, "What is that? How does that company exist?" Because three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars for a share. Jesus. Yeah, no, I don't even stupid. understand. Because I think, I think honestly, when I was, you know, we'll say the the late eighties, it was, I think it was at twenty six hundred or something, or maybe like twenty six thousand. And I just, it was unfathomable how something could be that large compared um, to you it know sixteen k in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, so it must have been less, which is is still insane. I, I don't even understand. The 80s All right, here we go. Guys, I have it. I have it. It's perfect. Oh, so in 1992, Berkshire Hathaway was the same price as Bitcoin is right now. So that means wow. clearly that in 18, 36 years, Bitcoin is going to be worth $345,000. Done. Nice. I like it. 
perfect technical analysis that makes perfect sense right there. Yeah, yeah it's read your charts. Folks. That's called the uh, buffet pattern. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. is that a fat joke or a Warren Buffett joke? Uh, it's a time to move on. Rapid fire. <laughs> so okay, so there is a tweet that was made uh, last week that the prices the media it was made by Blockport with a Q. The prices the media declared Bitcoin dead, and it's like there's honestly there, there's twelve companies you know Wired, Forbes, Biz Insider, and Wired declared it at two dollars, four fifteen, Yahoo at four seventy nine. AOL at three thirty two, you know, and it, it wow. it's it's just crazy. AOL New York Times, I mean, I don't know. This is, they they've been around at least within the past decade since Bitcoin's been, yeah. but yeah, it, it is pretty remarkable how many big companies have. Uh, you know, I guess it's not the company necessarily speaking, but some individual who just like just can't really doesn't have much foresight. And actually, I found this one just now, and I thought it was pretty cool. So the Sacramento Kings, an NBA team, for those who don't watch the NBA, who don't watch much NBA because they're pretty bad. They haven't had a winning season since 2006. So yeah, they all auctioned off a Buddy Heel jersey, who's like a third or fourth year decent player on the Sacramento Kings. They auctioned off his. I thought we just game... established they didn't have any decent players. What yeah, continues? No game worn, game worn jersey using Ethereum blockchain. So Sweet. you can buy. You, they auctioned it off like last of it? night. You can, no, you can buy the jersey. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, yeah, and and just just in case, Brent, just in case you didn't know, NBA is like probably the most. Every team just has players that you're like, oh my god, this guy's a freak. Like every every even if yeah. they're bad, every team has like a sick player. It's just I'm like, aware. Everybody gets mad at me when I tell them I don't think Jordan would be a top ten player in the NBA if he played today. So. I mean, I, I don't know. I actually think that's like up for discussion now. But yeah, so that's about it for the rapid fire. And we clocked in at about 15 minutes. That's, a- that's fine. I gave a little bit too long of an intro, the usual. So before we move on, I'm going to just talk about Wild Foods real quick. One, I've got keto bars on the way to both of you folks. Yes. Wild Foods has just released a keto bar that tastes ridiculously good. Like, I'm not even kidding. This thing tastes amazing. I've had, like, things like Perfect Keto or whatever. They they taste like cardboard. This thing, I don't know. I don't know how it tastes as good as it does. It was just released, like, two weeks ago. They use real ingredients. It's got almond butter. It's got cacao nibs. It's got some chocolate powder in there. It even has collagen. So if you're interested in the benefits of collagen, you can get that just from your little bar. And it is tiny, easy to take on the go, easy to eat whenever you're ready for a little snack. That also happens to be keto. Uh, I am now m- officially my lowest weight since I moved to Austin, Texas. Yeah. And well keto done. definitely has something to do with that. Although I'm not currently on keto. Uh, I went off a few days ago when I got sick because the only thing that makes me not sick is these stupid Hall's drops. And you can't eat the ones with the sucralose in them because it'll make you poop. That's it. So go to wildfoods.co, not .com, .co. You can use the code CryptoBasic12. You can get 12% off of your order and... Something that's not advertised that we're doing, if you happen to spend $75, we throw keto bars in there just like for free. So if you, you know, if you don't, if you just want to get one and try it and you want to buy $75 worth of pink salt or something, feel free and it'll get added in there. So check them out, wildfoods.co, real food, real ingredients, 
and we're really going to move on. Kareem. We all know that the space has a reputation for being full of scams, and that is a well-deserved reputation just because of the whole reality thing. It's often disappointing. (laughs) However, 2019, guys, things got a little bit better. We had 518 blockchain projects fail in 2019. Believe it or not, that sounds like a high number, but that's 20% less than last year. My God. Now, the largest number of cryptocurrency projects this year, I mean, 2019, I should say, that disappeared, they disappeared during those beginning months. So it was towards the end of last year too. Let's say like January, February, March, you had 115 projects fell in January, 48 uh, in February, and another 120 in March. And then that slowed down as the year continued. It's also the market started recovering a little bit. And I think a lot of the projects that uh, didn't have a chance have failed, right? We see the, the space mature. So if you guys remember... There's a website called Deadcoin that keeps track of all these projects that disappear, and they have different categories. It was uh, deceased, hack, scam, and parody. And the majority of projects that failed were in the scam category. So 55% of projects in 2018 that failed were considered scams. 58% in 2019 were considered scams. And the last interesting statistic is that it seems to be that the average lifespan for a legitimate project that fails tends to be between one and three years, whereas the average lifespan for the scams is less than one year, which that makes a ton of sense. So getting a little better, 20%, maybe next year we'll only have a couple of hundred scams and a few years from now, very few scams, but slow, steady progress, boys. You know... When I read the headline for the what you're about to talk about, I just thought you were talking about actual space, like, <laughs> and I was like, I just like didn't really think about it, but I just <laughs> no, saw space. You and can I was still like, cool, buy we're talking stars. about stars. Yeah. That's there's yeah. still that's there's literally <laughs> everything in space. <laughs> yeah, maybe in a few years we'll buy stars on the blockchain. That's my I, star. Yeah, I mean, I I know you can buy stars now or name them, and you can also buy plots of land on the moon. So how is the cryptocurrency not taking advantage of that yet? Like just claim the rest of the moon or something and then start selling moon coin. I don't know. I guess because, you know, there's less scams now. (laughs) But anyway, it also makes sense that there's less ICOs. So these companies have a less of a method for scamming than they used to. So, you know, less ICOs meaning no ICOs. Like you can't really do them. And people are switching to like the IEO method. Which leads me to our next story. The SEC has issued the exact same style of alert for IEOs that they have that they had previously issued for ICOs. So IEO being an initial exchange offering. So these are the ICOs that are basically run by exchanges so that they were more regulatorily compliant um, may or may not be. So this report really doesn't say anything other than like you might be making a mistake investing in these. It might be that they're unregistered securities. It might be blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of wishy-washy language, but it was the same way on ICOs. And now the SEC is coming after a lot of those ICOs. So basically they're saying, we don't know that these IEOs are not unregistered securities. And we also don't know that these IEOs are safe for you to invest in. We, they mentioned that there's a lot of scams in the ICO space and they're not wrong. So 
they issued this to investors and it amounts to nothing other than an investor alert, but it is a signal for what the SEC is starting to think about for IEOs in the future. So think about that before you might be grabbing any of those. I have not invested in a single IEO that I know of and uh, I don't intend to. That's it. It was quick. It was a quick story. And that was it. I just wanted to touch on that real quick so that everybody knew it. And Adam, I think we're back to you. And I left this over for, like we we were going to do the flagship and we switched to crypties. So this was like, you know, it's one of those 2020 stories. But you found some predictions for 2020. Yeah, I mean, we're only two weeks into 2020. So I think it's fair we can still use this. All right. Uh, so the former head develop the head of global business development consensus made 20 predictions for 2020. His name is Andrew Keys, and he's actually done this <laughs> at the end of the article. It's actually listed for 19, 18, 17, 16. So if you click on the article and scroll down, you can read his other predictions. And he actually is now working. He's a managing partner at Digital Asset Risk Management Advisors, a.k.a. Dharma Capital. I feel like I've heard Dharma before, to be honest. Uh, yeah, lost. it's on Lost. Well, <laughs> all right, nerd. And a Buddhist teaching. <laughs> yeah, so the fact that he's made these predictions for four years now and he's been in space for a long time uh, gives him some credibility. He used the analogy that he thinks Ethereum is like dial-up internet in 1996 running at 14... 14- Point four kilobytes per second. And for all you youngins out there, that's how us boomers used to have to get on the internet. You, you know, a boomer? I mean, I don't know, but I'm just on Wait, no, tic- there's a whole generation between you and Boomer. What are you I know, but about? I've been TikToking lately, and it's like <laughs> I feel like God. if you're above 30, you're they call you a boomer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're technically a millennial. I don't remember what the cutoff is, but I think I'm actually we're so I'm a subset of the cutoff the millennial. millennial is 81. Yeah, but then they made a, a a new because I never felt I was actually a millennial, but I You don't identify as a millennial? I do you not. Just identify with whatever generation you want nowadays? Yes, yeah. my- <laughs> Jeez. Well, yeah, we haven't even we haven't even broached that topic on, you know, Twitter hasn't even talked about that yet. You can't I can't just say that I'm a boomer. Yeah. You know, well, okay. Anyways, we we somehow derailed this. So, I know that when Augur launched, he basically said this is like the beginning of the internet in 94. And that was about a year, year and a half ago. And I agree that we're kind of moving, you know, 96 is 3 years into the internet. People are learning about it. It's in a good amount of households. There is some infrastructure there, but ultimately we've got a long freaking way to go still. Because think about how fast your download speed or upload speed is now. It, it's crazy. I don't even know. I don't even know. Downloading songs was like a rough thing to do back in the 14-4 days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was like a little bit of like, and what's crazy is it didn't even feel as bad as big of a difference as it could have because the files also kept getting bigger, you know, because there's more quality, like 4K yeah. files are bigger and bigger. Yeah. So, yeah, like the actual you'd speed make, into was massive. You'd wait a minute for a picture sometimes yeah. and, the, and the picture would be really bad quality. And Yeah, all pixelated. Yeah. Yep. Do you I guys ever, this is still amazing to me, but like you ever see video of an old video game and remember how 
good you thought that looked when it <laughs> yeah. came out. And I'm just, I, I remember like the Laura Croft, dude, Final Fantasy VIII, the CG sequences. I was like, oh my god, this is so realistic. Look at her sweater; it looks like a real sweater. I look at it again, and I'm like. This is like what you see in the Nickelodeon cartoons, you know, like the kids' cartoons, like Dora 3D yep. or whatever. It, it it looks like that, but at the time I was mind blown. You just you adapt so quickly, your brain's expectations or standards just. Well, I also think it's diminishing returns because once you see it, you're like, oh, this is sick, and then like you get used to it, and then it right. upgrades, and then like you get used to you know. And but, I heard but yeah, it's definitely crazy to look back. I heard a really interesting analysis of why we're never really, really impressed with technology because it's like when technology first bursts into the scene, it's crappy because it's this first generation. And then by the time it gets really sick, we're like already used to it. So we're like, oh, that's nothing new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the I'm not going to list all of, you know, the, the 20. I think it's a good article. You should read it. It'll be in the show notes. But one of the 20 is the U.S. will have to play catch-up after China's big play in crypto and blockchain. And, yeah, I think that that's kind of a true prediction. Uh, even though I don't necessarily think it's going to be that tough to catch up because the infrastructure regarding the U.S. compared to the government may be lagging behind. But as far as the, the U.S. businesses that have adopted blockchain, and that are probably or you know are willing to work with the government or you know i'm sure there it, it can be done a lot faster than maybe it would in china and it could be off base about that well china's government will move faster because they don't need yeah. pesky little things like votes and approvals <laughs> and things like that they just get to do what they want to do so we're going to be playing catch up to china for a long time on a lot of things we can't get our shit together so it's not just blockchain democracy is slow kind of as a rule and we're making it slower because we hate each other. So, yeah. So in October, there was new legislation towards mining, uh, state chat, state news channels, praising Bitcoin and even, uh, the president of China, uh, announcing governmental support for blockchain technology. So they're making their move. We'll see how the U S uh, reacts to that maybe uh, he said that that there is supposed to be regulation coming out this month regarding it for the u.s so we'll see we'll keep an eye on that and uh we've got ethereum 2.0 coming out soon uh i don't i'm i'm i think we're all skeptical <laughs> yep yep i feel like we could have said this all three years that the podcast has been in existence yes like episode one ethereum 2.0 coming out soon episode one of 2019, Ethereum 2.0 coming out soon. Mm -hmm. this episode one of 2020, same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's coming. We'll see. Yeah, and look, it, I remember uh, listening to Charles Hoskinson talk about this um, from just from the perspective of the Ethereum team is facing a really tough challenge because it's already out there in the wild. So it's so hard to try to like launch a serious update, a revamping of the code when like it's out there running you know what i'm saying and yeah. you have this like it's not the same thing as for example what cardano is trying to do right now which is still totally internal they're not really out there in the world like ethereum is so it makes sense that this is going to take a while yeah but he is speaking positively about it happening it really is i think earlier we reported a few months ago uh that they were they were saying q1 quarter one ethereum 2.0 should be you know starting to make i'll be excited to report on it when it happens until then i'm not holding my breath yeah i am holding my ethereum though yes 
So, I mean, there, there's other things I don't want to necessarily, you know, it's just, it's, it's a really good, thoughtful article. I am kind of, I just, I just really liked looking through it, reading it. Um, and oh yeah, last thing is I think supply chain, or he said supply chain is going to have a huge year. And to be honest, supply chain is one of the best use cases for blockchain, cryptocurrency, smart contracts. And I think it also is one of the most complex use cases because it's just, I mean, supply chains are, are complex already. So yep. then uh, put it all on a blockchain is just disrupting an already complex, uh, you know, thing. But it can give consumers and companies a lot more confidence. So right, right. I, yeah. I hope that that comes through. And again, if it does on coffee or any other cool product, I will start a company on it, but I can't figure it out. I've emailed every one of these crypto blockchain companies to figure out who their suppliers are. They have this stuff and none of them have, they've got this, oh, look at our solution that we have. Nobody using the solution yet. So even though we know it's there and we know it should work, I have not found anybody who can actually work with me on this. So yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about your, your plight or, you know, your, your, it's our plight, Adam, it's our (laughs) plight, but I have a funny little story about supply chain, actually. So I was at my friend's, he, it was like his first live show. He was playing, you know, he was, he's a band. It's good. Check him out. Lamone, Lamone. And I'm talking to these two girls and someone mentions, oh yeah, I'm in supply chain. And then I just start talking about cryptocurrency with her. And, and I explained, no, she was, she was interested. Oh, and then I damn, actually right. explained very well, you know, why supply chain was so neat, uh, necessary. Have you heard of Wabi, W-A-B-I, the coin? Yeah. 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 They're the ones that kind of were, they're, they're there with Walton Chain and V-Chain and they're all kind of working on this. Yeah. Wabi was specifically because of what happened in China with those, uh, with those antibiotics being expired. Yeah, or and I think, or maybe it was baby formula. No, no, it was. Yeah, no, this is exactly what I was talking to her about, and and I thought it was a really good, like, this is why supply chain is so necessary. So basically, the formula that was being used for babies were expired or counterfeited, you know, contaminated, whatever, and and babies got sick. So they started, you know, I think Wabi on this basis, so that if you go to a store. And let's say you pick up Gerber, you can immediately know or whatever it is, you can know that this in China, I would say that, you know, contaminated product, food products are a lot bigger of a deal or a lot more of an issue. There's a reason we can't source anything at Wild Foods from China. And I can tell you from the Wild Foods end of things, it would also make companies more profitable if they were able to do this, because one, you wouldn't have to deal with shady suppliers trying to like put filler in your products or something like that Two your expiration dates could be longer. We have a coconut vinegar, for instance, that we we no longer sell. And we knew we were getting rid of it because it wasn't a big seller at Wild Foods, but it had a year shelf life. It's fucking vinegar. Like, the whole point of it is to be fermented. Like It, it can't expire. Yeah. But because you have to be super careful because you don't know what the supply chain's done with it before it got to you, with regulations, we can't have longer than a year of shelf life on that stuff. So we have all this useless vinegar that we just pulled off the shelves that's just sitting there that we can't sell anymore because it expired and it's vinegar. Like the whole point of it is to be old. So anyway, just a random rant, like companies could get longer expiration dates on their things if it was more trackable 
and that would lead to a little bit of of an increase in GDP because the companies have a little bit more of a profit margin. Exactly. So this wraps up the article. I thought it was a pretty great read. Uh, Check it out. And uh, Brent, you got something to say about Coinbase? You know me. I love Coinbase as much as you love our buddy there, Justin's son. So (laughs) I just thought this was funny. Coinbase had to pay up for a lawsuit against some random exchange called Cripsy. Now, this is before I got really into the space, so I don't really know what this was, but I guess they were kind of like a Mt. Gox where they took everybody's money and disappeared. Um, they, they lo- Coinbase lost a $1 million lawsuit about this Cripsy exchange to the people who had their money stolen from them by Cripsy. It's been in the courts for three years. It was about to go to a jury trial, in fact. And then they finally got this $1 million settlement. And like Coinbase had nothing to do with it other than they accepted the incoming transfers from the people who <laughs> stole the money. So Coinbase helped them launder the money and lost a million dollars because they helped them launder the money because they didn't have good checks for ways to stop somebody who had just stolen a bunch of money from cashing it out. So I'm a little bit torn on this. I wow. like the idea that Coinbase got fucked. I also <laughs> like I like the idea of making these centralized exchanges have some responsibility for the coins that come onto them and what they do with them. Like if you're going to be going through a centralized thing and you're going to be involved in this, I kind of like the idea that you can't just like steal somebody's money and get it on exchange and right. That's that without a little bit of consequence from the exchange. But at the same time, real quick, when we feel that way, which I think is a totally valid position and one that I mostly share, but we have to understand that the countermeasures that are essentially expected will be the types of things Lack that of a lot of people in the space think in limit our freedom and limit our privacy. And, you know, this is like an ebb and flow. Now, Kareem's right. Exchanges are a trade-off. We know they're a trade-off. And I like the idea that there should be decentralized exchanges where you kind of have this, you know, ability to go do what you want to do with your with your cryptocurrency w- without prying eyes but if you're going to go in and they're going to have a centralized thing i like the idea that they have a little bit of responsibility for what happens on their site i don't know i'm like i'm super torn because i like the freedom i like the anonymity i think it would be nice if you never had to give anybody a know know your customer thing but if you're in there and the people have all that data and all that information they better be using it for good at least uh, you know, or but then again, you're also gonna end up in spots where people get their money held that didn't do anything, and I don't know. So, don't know how I feel about it. Happy to see Coinbase lose some money. Otherwise, it's pretty much it. I mean, this is a uh, murky. I think because so you're trying to keep things kind of private, but also it went through Coinbase, so technically it was in your account, so you should have monitored it. But like, it's. I mean. No, like Coinbase should monitor that if there's a big hack, they should know like we can't take those coins or whatever because like there's a way to see that there are companies that find that stuff. They're like there we we just had Grant Blaisdell on the show like that's whole the whole point of what he's doing is trying to find ways to stop this kind of shit. So I don't know I like the idea that they have a little bit of responsibility there. And, and Brent, I'll say like uh, our experience, not our experience, what we saw with the Horizon hack is that with the right 
type of alertness, communication, that you can stop these things. Oftentimes, you can stop a lot of the damage by being proactive and be prepared to be reactive. Yep, fair enough. All right, Kareem, I think it's time you told us who is the real Satoshi and how we're going to find out. No, guys, you think this is funny, but uh, this is the first time that I think that there's a chance that Craig Wright might be Satoshi. So he has officially filed a notice with the court because remember, he was ordered to produce the keys. And he now has filed a notice of compliance with the court saying that the bonded courier that he was waiting for, that he said was going to bring him the keys to the Satoshi wallets, that he finally got it and he's got the keys. Um, <laughs> but of course, the defense... So of course, he's in, moved... Point zero 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 one Bitcoin, correct? Uh Well, now the defense apparently is claiming that he just provided a list of wallets. <laughs> of course, Again? <laughs> in a Craig Wright kind of way. Here's the quote specifically from one of the lawyers. He said that he did not provide any information on the bounded carrier, the company that he or she worked for, um, when he or she came, or what was the message that was delivered. And now <laughs> these news, this this court filing came on the same day that the Satoshi Vision coin pumped like double by over a hundred percent. It went uh, even more than that. It went ballistic. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, yeah. So there's all kinds of conspiracy theories about what could or could not be going on. I was obviously joking. There's more oh, as a joke. Oh, yeah. As far as the potential that he's Satoshi. I mean, look, if he had the keys, all he had to do was move one Bitcoin. And all of a sudden, we got to start believing him. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, you know what I thought about? If he was able to move it at this point, I'm so convinced it's not him that I'm like, my first thought was like, did Satoshi reach out to him? And like, they came to a deal to be able to launder the money. He's like, so she's like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. You get to pretend you're Satoshi. I need you to move these coins. <laughs> 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 no, but anyway. And I love this quote. You know, they got like a legal analyst, a guy who's a lawyer who's following it, uh, commented for the article. But I love this quote. I'm not saying that the list is or isn't authentic. I'm saying that this is a guy who two federal judges have basically called a liar and he just opened a new Pandora's box of discovery. So it may not end well. (laughs) I love it. You know what? So I think what happened here is... He got these things delivered, and the news that he got the keys delivered started spreading. So, of course, if he actually is Satoshi and he got his private keys delivered, <laughs> yeah, I would probably want to buy some of the coin that he's going to be able to like say is the real coin or whatever. Like, but he didn't. Like, he still didn't do anything. He, he, all this information is still out there. Funny story on this. Um, it just, I just want to tell this story because uh, it, first caveat. Don't ever do this. Uh, second caveat, this actually happened. So a friend of mine reaches out to me and he's like, listen, a good friend of mine has Bitcoin SV on their Coinbase account. And they don't know what to do with it. Like it, it's gone way up in price. They want to get rid of it. Like, what do they do? So I kind of tried to tell him what to do. And I was like, you know what? Like, hold on. Let me get on the phone with this person. So like I called them and I was like, look, I'll just do this for you. If you become a listener of the podcast, I'm willing to like mm-hmm. just do this for you. And and then I also said, don't ever do this ever again. Like, you're going to have to send me this money and I could straight up steal this from you. I just want you to be clear. I can steal this money from you in this process. Anybody else would steal it from you. Don't ever do this again, but I'll do this for you. So it took 
the Bitcoin SV blockchain, which is supposed to be all faster and stuff like that, to get it to hit BTC because none of the real exchanges have it anymore. So I had to go to fucking hit BTC to get this thing changed over to anything with value, right? It took four hours to get nine confirmations. It was insane. Like that's that's slower than Bitcoin, significantly slower than Bitcoin. So they sent me the money on hit BTC. I changed it to Bitcoin, sent it back to their to their Coinbase wallet. And uh, in the pr- it took so long that the it lost a hundred dollars in value. It was like two Bitcoin Bitcoin SV coins, hmm. so it lost a hundred dollars in value on the way back. Or so whatever. And then uh, so I sent it back, and I, I was, they they had offered me to give me a hundred dollars to do the thing. I was like, no, don't ever offer somebody that kind of money. I'd like it if you learned how to do this yourself. I don't have the time to teach you right now. I'll just do this. Don't ever do this again. So that whole like we'll never ask for your crypto. I guess that person. I guess I technically did. I'll never do that again, but I just wanted to point out that we did it, and it was kind of funny. Well, he wasn't a listener when you asked. You would never ask a listener. For right. They were not a listener. It, it was a she, but the, they weren't a listener when they asked. So I would never ask a listener to do that. Now that, now that she's a listener, I would never uh, I, I would never ask again in that situation. So, <laughs> so there we go. So that was part of the Bitcoin SV situation. It was kind of hilarious. Uh, our Discord chat kind of woke up on that one. We were all having... We're all having a laugh at what is going on. It wasn't the only coin to go up, but hilariously, I was seeing that like all the things with the Bitcoin name went crazy, like Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin uh, Gold, Bitcoin Two, like all these up. They all went ballistic. So I, <laughs> it's just super weird. Uh, except Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin went up. It just didn't go ballistic. So that's it. That's it. I'm I'm done with that, and or we're done with that. Kareem's done with that. I think it's time for crypto around the world. <laughs> All right, guys, I got a good one for you. It's happening. It's finally happening. The moment we've all been waiting for. Akon is opening his crypto city in Africa. Let's go. So apparently Akon is from Senegal. Dude, Akon is the man. He's like such a philanthropist. Continue. Right. So he's so they they love him because he's donated a lot of money to to Senegal. And uh, they on top, he bought 2000 acre or a thousand acres. Sorry, of maybe 2000. I might have typed that wrong. I think it was 2000, 2000 acres of land. And it is going to become Akon City. And it's not going to be named anything else. He's he's just calling it Akon City. Nothing cool. It's going to run on one currency and one currency only. That is a coin. Acon's Acoin is still apparently in some sort of offering phase. They have not actually offered yet. Uh, they expect Acon City to be open in 2025, and uh, that coin will be available in July. Uh, also, in this article slash interview, he let us know that he was this close, and he held his fingers very close together to running for president. So that's unfortunate. I would have would have I would have loved to have. Akon and Young Jeezy on the ticket together. Hmm. Nothing would have made me happier, but he he did. You can't have it so. all. Can't have it all. So that's it. That that is a very important around the world update. Akon, Crypto City, Africa. It's gonna take a lot to get me to move there, but I'm gonna get some Acoin down in Africa. Nah, man. All right. So here's a place that you might want to move to. North Korea, guys, is having another Bitcoin, I mean, blockchain conference, like the one that they had last year. 
How obvious does a trap need to be? <laughs> so the UN is warning people that they should not attend the North Korean cryptocurrency conference because attendance could count as a violation of sanctions. Specifically, North Korea is under UN sanctions since 2006 uh, over its use of nuclear and ballistic missile programs. And if you guys remember, this is the story about uh, Virgil Griffith, the guy that got in trouble because in April he went, even though he was told not to go, that guy was just let out on bail, by the way, a $1 million bail. So, Jesus. but he's still, apparently the charges against him are very serious. Long story short, this is more of a public service announcement for any of our listeners who might be thinking about going to this North Korean blockchain development company. Remember that uh, they're under <laughs> sanctions. Don't do it. You've been warned. I just love this because the UN had to make this warning because Virgil Griffith did it last time. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's like they had to make a warning that they had no idea they had to make a warning for because someone actually did it. No, no, no one's ever actually going to do this. No, no, no. A reminder that he applied for the uh, permit, got declined, and then just like posted on Twitter, like, oh, getting in without a passport or some shit like that. It's like, all right, bro, damn. So that was great. I just wanted to wrap up crypto around the world with a newcomer. I don't know. Is Senegal? Is that the first time Senegal's been on the crypto around the world? Because it's the first time you, know. Uzbekistan has been on crypto around the world. So they are looking to create a national cryptocurrency mining pool and as well as a, an asset exchange. And it's it's mostly to incentivize foreign and domestic miners to work together. Miners that join the pool receive discounted electricity rates, and they just want to create increased transparency and security in crypto mining as well as help energy efficiency in the sector. Um, I wish you all the best, Uzbekistan. I hope you we, you keep popping up so you can make it to the segment for a second time. I know North Korea has uh, made it to crypto around the world a few times, and that's pretty much it. They get to stay in the news. Uh, that's what the nuke buys you. <laughs> Good yeah. job, Uzbeks. Let's get more mining stability. Let's decentralize that blockchain by more countries giving people free electricity to mine it. I like it. I love it. Also, this uh, cryptocurrency in North Korea conference is the most obvious trap since like free candy on a like a worn down van in a parking lot. <laughs> like this, is, this is, I can't. I can't. I, I hope somebody goes. I hope they do. Please, please. M- more. I hope. There's a whole movement of people that go and want to be like Virgil. The opinions shared by Brent are not those of the Crypto Basic Podcast. His <laughs> opinions are his and his alone. <laughs> All right. Give it, give us a real outro. I think we're done here. So let's uh, join us on Discord. You know, Become a patron. We can still give you those coins if you become a patron on Patreon. And share us around the world. And we're not... We're not financial advisors. We are just a bunch of idiots and do not take our advice to your own research. Uh, if there's anything else, Kareem, you got this. BTC, moon, upside. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sayonara, family. Sayonara, family.